Welcome to the Gorilla Social Work Podcast, your crackerjack clinical insurgents pitting evidence against anecdotes. Well, 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 look who's decided to grace us with their presence. Welcome, I guess. <laughs> We're stoked to bring you another chit-chat with your host, Jeff, Siren Screamer Moore, and yours faithfully, Mace Warren. Jeff and I are both forensic psychotherapists that are in the business of fixing broken people who have made some questionable life choices. We love sharing our misguided musings with all of you, and we thank you so much for your ongoing listenership. Today, the GSW crew is discussing the Dark Triad. The Dark Triad is a set of three personality traits that are often associated with negative and destructive behaviors. These traits are narcissism, Machiavellianism, and psychopathy. Now, I'm going to give you a gentle nudge in the right direction. You see, I've been watching our podcast analytics, and I've noticed something curious. You haven't rated us yet. Come on, Gorilla Social Workers. We know you've got a finger or two to spare, so why not give us those five golden stars we deserve? Think of it like a virtual high five for our podcasting prowess. And while you're at it, why not share our podcast with a friend? Sure, you can keep all this hilarious banter and insightful commentary to yourself, but where's the fun in that? Share the love, spread the word, and let's make our little podcast family even bigger. Who knows? Maybe someday we'll be as big as a famous cat playing piano. A girl can dream, right? Thanks for tuning in, folks. Dude, I was, uh, man, I swear, swear to God, it's been like six months since we recorded a podcast. Man, we've, we've had fairly good reasons every single time that we've rescheduled it, but things just keep happening and then happening. Yeah. And then happening. Yeah. Well, we did get a new desk after the other one. Yeah. What happened um, to the other one? Well, it just suffered, it, sh- it suffered a, uh, a kinetic, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a kinetic malfeasance. Yeah, it suffered a kinetic malfunction <laughs> through malfeasance after it didn't cooperate very well. But but I don't know. What do you think? This one seems it, seems a little bit more roomy for us, don't and, you think? Yeah, and I don't think it would break as easy. No, 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 no. And this one, I mean, our our other our other table in here is white too, so I feel like this one matches a little yeah. bit better, don't you? Yeah, yeah. No, that it's nice. It's nice. <laughs> Yeah, it's got it's got look at way this. more room too. Look at this too. Watch. Oh, oh, oh what? Got I, hydro, I got hydros. Yeah, we got some yeah. hydraulics in there. Just in case Flip that three wheel motion. If you wanted to stand up and be one of those guys, do way more room. Yeah, that's that's what I'm like, and I'm not wedged back into this. You know what I love is all those like uh, I love the the um, like the um, just the. <laughs> The idea of of these lofty expectations when it comes to your desk. Have you ever seen those desks that fit over a treadmill? And, and yeah. yeah, and people think, okay, what I'll do is is I'll do my walking while I'm doing my work at my, and then they never they use it like once and never use it again. I was going to say I know lives. that about myself. I I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't use that. Well, I, I mean, and also how I mean walking though walking. I how uh, well. Is it like, I know why I couldn't do it. What's your reason? What, it just right? seems like a recipe for a lot of typos. Right. And okay. Motion yeah. sickness. Yep. Like, yep. yep. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like I, I can't type and I can't type and walk. Can't chew gum and. That seems like. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love the. I love the like multitasking idea. You know what I mean? Like, but there's thresholds to it, and and it has to be semi-functional. Like driving and commuting is really good opportunity for like you know podcast listening information yeah, yeah. overload. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I like that, but. But that just seems clunky. Dude, think about meeting with a client. It just it seemed like you're in a rush. Like you couldn't be bothered to like be present with the client. You just like gotta work out. Okay, keep talking faster. <laughs> you're standing, they're sitting. <laughs> Dude, you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of do you remember that uh that bike that's hard to ride on South Park? Get the bike that's hard to ride. <laughs> it's like, hey kids, this is a bike that's almost impossible to ride. It's like all of these <laughs> got jacked up tires. Yeah, yeah dude. That's who buys that. I know, yeah. I know, dude. The bike yeah. that's hard to ride. Dude, South Park's so hilarious. Yeah. So well that uh well we can hopefully, hopefully we'll uh I'll I'll get this out relatively soon but yeah it's good to be back yeah absolutely back in action yeah i was we were supposed to record last week and then i got sick yeah yeah there's been trips and blizzards and mizzards and lizards yeah, yeah all kinds of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh yeah dude i i am so so happy by the way about all the snow that's happening around us so people shut up about the drought. God, dude, they won't though. You know, like it'll never end. Mm-hmm. I just, I just want just one time somebody not to talk to me about use of water. Like I remember, <laughs> I won't name who, but there's a deputy that kind of chewed me out because I don't know. Do you ever go into the bathroom and like you know when it's a like a shared bathroom that's pretty close quarters, like the one at the jail, and and you go in there and everybody can hear you peeing. Like oh, you do the courtesy. I turn on the water yeah. like and and also the water's cold <laughs> there. So by the time it heats up a little bit when I wash my hands, like, you know, then it's kind of nice. Well, you worry about courtesy pee like. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I don't. I don't worry water. about that. I'm more. I'm more worried about like. I'm a little bit more modest. No, I, I mean, yeah. you don't go in there and number two it, well, dude. Well, yeah, no. Well, yeah. That, that's a that's an at home activity. Yeah, for sure. I'm yeah. saying. I'm saying you go in there and you know, like the there's just a lot of of uh there's just it's just a lot of noise. You can hear it and it echoes in there and everybody knows. Like I mean, I I know you know what you're going <laughs> that in guy's there. Guys peeing over there. It's just as weird. <laughs> Okay, I know you're peeing. It's just weird to yeah. hear, you know, to invoke another sense. Yeah. Just the knowledge that it's happening is enough. You're you're being very empathic in that you're, you're no, no, not no, no, wanting no. to impose your your uh, excrement. No, I'm not on other people. No, I, I don't. It's for auditory. me. It makes it more comfortable for me. I'm 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 like I don't know. I'm modest when it comes to that. I don't want to. Also, it's for like what's in your best interest. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Much like, much like we're talking about today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. What's in your best yeah. interest, <laughs> yep. man? I hope this, I hope this, uh, this uh, YouTube video gets a little bit more views than normal, dude. My kid, are was, we up to fifteen yet? My kid was talking crap the other day. <laughs> He's like talking about how Dan TDM <laughs> has twenty three million subscribers. He's like, dude, you got twelve. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, you're right. Yeah, he's all dead. Twelve subscribers. Wait, wait, he's views. such a loser. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're trying, Red. Thanks, son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks, son. We're trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, no, I've been uh. So I guess we can kind of l- let people know kind of what we're doing. So, um, 
you and I, I think have have gotten um, we've gotten feedback uh, historically about our ability to work with just incredibly difficult clients, like the um, a knack for working with them. I don't yep. want to say a talent, but um, and, and I think that you and I have have taken it a point. Do you remember when we first started and uh, there there's kind of a there's kind of a way of going about things like normally when you start at an agency and you're new therapist, you have the least amount of skill. You're the greenest one there. Um, you know, you're just fresh out of school. You just, all you all you know is the basics, right? You're mi- minimally competent, probably not even that. And the tendency is that the senior, you know, uh, seasoned therapist dumps all the worst clients on you, like immediately, like mm-hmm. all the problem children, right? And I know you and I were like, we'll never do that. Because, yeah, other way around. Right. I yeah, would rather opposite. take the really difficult clients that are, are really difficult to work with. And um, specifically, one of the things that we've, I, I think that at least on a, a, a maybe just a anecdotal level, I feel like we do well with clients who um, have kind of what we, these, these traits that I learned was part of this thing called the dark triad. Did you, did you know that was a thing before this? No, not, not until, well, probably within the last year or so I've, I heard of it. But Dude, doesn't it sound cool? The, the dark, dark triad. triad. Yeah, yeah. That sounds like, sounds a, like a gang I want to join. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 What was the, what were the, the, what was the gang in the warriors? What was that? They had some dumb names in that. In that. Well, you know that like the the Chinese mafia is the triads. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But are you the dark triad? <laughs> exactly. So it's like the triads plus yeah, yeah plus dark plus Satan. <laughs> plus, <laughs> plus yeah. Lucifer. Yeah, <laughs> it's the mafia plus our, Lucifer. Yeah, our leader yeah. is Beelzebub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um so yeah I was I I I got a couple things. Uh, prep videos for us to kind of um, wet our palate and then get an idea of this because we uh, like it or not, we're actually presenting on this. We submitted a couple of abstracts on this because um, it was cool when we started talking about it, like a lot of our, a lot of our focus had been on really high degrees of antisociality, like antisocial personality traits. Right. Um, And that's when I fell into these things. Um, and these, and we'll kind of explain exactly what they are. I have a, like a really easy video to consume that we can kind of watch and everything. But we, uh, we submitted to the UCJC conference that's held at the university of Utah, which we're presenting at in this May, May 23rd, if you guys want to show up and, uh, we won't be signing autographs mainly because nobody's going to ask for them, (laughs) but we, but we won't be signing them either. Yeah. We won't be signing them or taking pictures as if anybody's ever asked for that. (laughs) But (laughs) if you did, we wouldn't. (laughs) Everybody's like, don't worry. We won't. Um, and then, uh, we submitted an abstract to ATSA and because uh, next year will be our second year going to ATSA of which we are official members now. So our ATSA fellow ATSA members, Hey, if you want to, help us campaign you could just shoot some uh some love over them and say hey you should have these guys present so get those guerrilla social workers up what i can promise you if we present an atsa is our powerpoint will be 1000 times better than anybody's there you got you that know, is a guarantee that yeah, is a guarantee yeah that's that's not false modesty you got you got pretty good powerpoints dude <laughs> i don't know that that's that's also um almost an like 
not a, a flex. That's almost an insult that you have good PowerPoint skills. You have the best. <laughs> <laughs> Stupendous. So, amazing PowerPoint so, skills. Yeah. So this was the this uh and America this uh, first one was the uh um this was the first video that I procured regarding the dark tri- dark triad and I just wanted to just wanted to get your take on this guy um and uh yeah it goes uh goes a little something like this <laughs> well if I can get our if I can get our our second uh screen to work here goes a little yeah and maybe. american oh no it's still not working okay so uh yeah well, well, give we it the third time's the charm give it one more shot maybe the third time's the charm um let's see what we got going on here is this it? Maybe. Motive announced to see. No, that's not right. Oh, no. I know. Look what we've done to ourselves. What have we done? <laughs> what? Yeah, what have we done? What have we become? Yeah, worthless is is what I say. So, um, yeah, that's going to that's gonna be a big problem here. Yeah, I'm, Hold on a second. I'll get us. I'm completely useless. <laughs> I got part. you. Oh, we're right here. <laughs> Stage crew. Yeah. I love listeners like what the hell are they talking about? Yeah, okay. So this is this is the uh first introduction to dark dark triad uh uh traits. And American Automotive announced a safety recall of all 2004 cars containing neck belts. The neck belts introduced last month in an attempt to reduce head injuries have been found to cause crushed tracheas, severe spinal damage, and violent decapitation. <laughs> that actually has that's dark nothing triad. to do with that's dark triad. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. Is it a test? If you laugh, you are you have the dark triad traits. I don't think like, you can watch that and not laugh, yeah. no matter what. That is yeah. a hilarious video. <laughs> so, so me laughing doesn't mean I'm a psychopath. Okay. No, all right, no, that's just a funny video, all right, dude. All right, all right. Do you think that was pretty? Yeah. I, I was like, I stumbled onto that, and I'm like, oh wow, that's pretty sweet, man. <laughs> yeah, we should no. Uh, so two of these. So this was there. There's one. Um, there's actually. Uh, it was. It was really. Um, I, I guess good timing because when we first started talking about this and, and we were talking about, we went to ATSA and we saw some of the presentations and some of them were really cool. Other ones just kind of run of the mill type stuff, you know? And I thought, well, I mean, we're, we're the, I don't know, one of the largest agencies in, in Western America that's serving, you know, the sex offender population. And then you and I work with some really difficult clients being on those levels. And so we started to look into some of those things. And then we started talking about this and we stumbled onto like dark triad type stuff. And then we're like, oh yeah, that's the type of clients that we're talking about. And then um, right around there, uh, Rogan had Jordan Peterson on his podcast and they were talking about that. Now, aside from whatever your opinions are about Jordan Peterson, there was a clip there that he was talking about dark triad stuff, which he knows the stuff. So we'll first watch this like really easy to consume thing here. And that'll give, I think listeners an idea of, of where we start with this. And then we'll kind of talk about that, watch that video. And then I think our, our strategy here is, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this, you know, kind of again and again, but the idea behind a lot of these personality traits with really, you know, any type of personality issue, those aren't really going to change right with the client. Um, it's more so we have to help those personality traits work for the client, not against them. Right. 
And, and also, I think our strategies are more for helping therapists tolerate the tomfoolery and shenanigans and, you know, whatever other nonsense is going to come from these clients. It's That's kind of going to be the focus of our presentation. Right, 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 right. So, so this one, uh, I really like this, this, In psychology. Little, this little clip here. Um, so we'll start here and then, uh, yeah, and then we'll go from there. How's that? So I think we got it this time. Holla, look at that. In psychology, the dark triad represents three personality traits, narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism. <laughs> if we were to ask the three, who has the darkest personality, the narcissist would say, me. The psychopath would say, I don't care. <laughs> and the Machiavellian would say, it's whoever I want it to be. <laughs> That's awesome. People scoring high on the three traits are more likely to commit crimes and create severe social problems in society, families, and organizations. This is why the research on the dark triad is used widely in law enforcement, psychology, and business. Here is an overview of what we know. I love it looks like the narcissist displays grandiosity, entitlement, and superiority, and wants nothing more than admiration. Once he gets what he wants, the narcissist is rarely interested in other people. When he does care, it's to enhance his status, which is why he likes to mingle with successful others. They seem as though they're completely in love with themselves, but at the root of their inflated egos are often deeply held feelings of inferiority. To protect their constructed self, they can never admit to being wrong, which is why they lie or blame others. Machiavellians are unprincipled, cold, and have a cynical view of other human beings. They like money, power, and winning, and they use manipulation to get what they want or exploit others. If manipulation doesn't work, they steal or betray. Those high on the spectrum believe it's better to be feared than being liked and offend others as a strategy to control them. When you are a psychopath, you come across as <laughs> cold and others think you are scary. You also show little to no fear, act impulsively, and you enjoy mental thrills. That knife Those between high the fingers on the game. spectrum don't form any emotional bonds. The result is a complete lack of compassion. That means they have no problem being mean. If something terrible happens, they later often don't feel any remorse or guilt. The research tells us that men score significantly higher on all three compared to women. Naturally. And while these three personalities are empirically distinct, they do overlap. Clinically, both narcissism and psychopathy are regarded as mental disorders, while Machiavellianism isn't. Whether nature or nurture is responsible for these traits has been somewhat answered by twin studies that show that narcissism and psychopathy have substantial genetic components. Machiavellianism seems to be less prevalent in pairs of twins. However, the environment also matters. A psychopath may not only pass down his genes, but influence a child by being a role model. <laughs> shows a Machiavellian dead rat. <laughs> father shares with his son not only genetic material, but might also show him all his tricks. 
the son of a narcissist not only gets his dad's chromosomes, but may also experience his perfectionism. With the big five personality traits, also known as ocean, the three correlate either positively or negatively. Narcissists and psychopaths are often open to new ideas and extroverted. Psychopaths and Machiavellians have low conscientiousness. All three personality types score low on agreeableness. And psychopaths are hardly neurotic. Whatever happens leaves them cold. An evolutionary explanation for these traits could be sexual strategy. Many of us pursue a slow life, invest in long-term relationships, have a few children, and spend time on oh, parenting. I'll bet these guys were Dark triad traits may have survived because they look to optimize a fast life. Their ancestors lived in an unpredictable and dangerous world. Because of a shorter life, they sought many sexual partners, right. spent no time See? on parenting, and did not invest in human relationships. See ya, kids. <laughs> this may also face. explain why they strive in competitive environments, such as corporations. Here, a Machiavellian may use charm and insults to manipulate others. The narcissist is physical appearance, and a psychopath, physical threats. And since they all lack or compassion, all they often elbow their way to the top, which is maybe why all three dark traits are well represented in upper-level management. <laughs> <laughs> but there are also downsides. If your mind was programmed to be impulsive, aggressive, and selfish, you are also more likely to abuse drugs, feel excluded, suffer from depression, or end up in jail. This is why we may not only find ways to protect ourselves from these darker minds, but also have empathy for them. After all, maybe they didn't choose to be that way. Oh, I was born what this way. You? I was a psychopath. Did you inherit kind of some dark yeah. triad traits? And if that's the case, and if you are aware of them, did you develop strategies to cope with them? Share your thoughts in the comments below and read the description to dig deeper and find relevant links. Good video, huh? Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the one thing that I really liked about that, um, you know, because people are listening to this and and you kind of can't help but listen to this and start to see some of those traits in yourself, you know. And so the one thing I want to say is, um, yes like a psychopathy specifically when it comes to like an antisocial personality disorder yeah diagnosable right narcissistic personality diagnosable machiavellian but on a dark triad scale we call these like subclinical traits in other words they're not they're not reaching to the degree that that we would throw a diagno diagnosis on it um but even if you did like uh i don't know you do a pretty good job of like you described to me one time like the difference between ego dystonic and ego syntonic. And I mean, like, so when you're thinking about that with diagnoses, like what does that mean for, for somebody who doesn't know what that means? Well, like ego syntonic. So like the, the way I view myself and the way I, <clears throat> um, I guess represent who I am, if I'm like, okay with it. Yeah. And you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, fine with who I am and everything that I bring to the table, that would be, you know, ego syntonic. So ego syntonic means I, even though okay. I might have these, these traits that are 
deemed bad by other people or or maybe dysfunctional, I'm okay with it. Right. Yeah. Okay. An ego dystonic would be yeah, it, you're 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 not comfortable with yourself or at least an aspect of yourself. So if I had depression, I don't I don't know anybody who digs being depressed. That would be an ego dystonic feeling where I'd want to work on that and go get that resolved so I don't have to feel that way. Yeah. And I, I guess with and with uh personality disorders, you know, that's that's uh with those being pervasive and kind of long lasting things that again don't really change much. Uh, you know, I think that people with the you know, if they have some of these traits and they don't like that aspect of themselves. They pretty miserable and probably lash out and hurt people in, in pursuit of whatever they think they need to feel better temporarily. Well, right. And, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of times what, what they, what, what most people have defined these as, is these are dangerous towards other people. Right. And, and certainly they can be, I mean, I think that the video showed that, um, but, I don't know when you look at the spectrum of personality disorders it in my it seems to me that there are a few that no matter what like you know um it, like it, they're kind of a there's not a really good avenue for making them work functionally in your life you know what i mean what do you mean well i just <clears throat> like okay so like i think about like um borderline personality disorder right it it doesn't to me like this is that's to me why like dialectical behavioral therapy was developed for that because think about that is there you know another specialized form of CBT like DBT that was developed specifically oh, right. for any other personality yeah. and you know one of the one of the things you start to learn with personality disorders back in the day when they used to have access one access two diagnoses was access to diagnoses were all personality disorders, right? And that they that they really you're not really going to change that about the person. They're not going to gain insight that they have this this disorder, um, and you're not really going to change them. In other words, like you, your best strategy strategy is to help harness that emotional energy or those per, that personality energy and move that towards something functional for them. But it seems like some of the personality disorders, like borderline. I don't know if you can move that into a functional, you know, way of of living. Like the whole aspects of it seem completely dysfunctional. There d- doesn't seem a functional quality. I, I see what you're saying. Whereas the the two that were mentioned on here, the two part of the dark triad, like narcissism and antisociality or psychopathy, those seem to have some functional aspects to it. Those would seem like the the quickest avenue towards function, but the line between function and dysfunction and hurting others seems pretty razor thin. Yeah. Like you're well, one is talking about, you know, that people in the, with, with dark triad personality traits are maybe overrepresented in upper management positions. Yeah. That, I think, I think that's a great description of what you're talking about. You know, if the, some of the traits that would, I guess would be maybe symptoms of narcissism. If, if channeled or used, um, I guess in a correct way can, can, can lead to success. Right. You know? But that, that's a hard sell, I think. And it's a harder sell for to, therapists. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because you're, you're, you're asking them to acknowledge that this person has high levels of psychopathy and Machiavellianism and narcissism. 
and that rather than trying to work against that, you want to help you want to help harness that and move it in a better direction, which requires a lot of patience from the therapist. Dude, especially like specific to our field, working with people that have committed a sex offense, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're having these conversations about sex and sexuality and, you know, partner selection and, you know, maybe even anything having to do with whatever their sex offense was. And, uh, you know, sometimes clients that have these traits talk about, sex and again, sexual victims in a pretty egregious way and Mm -hmm. in a very selfish way, a very self-serving way. And, and it, it rubs most people wrong. And as therapists, I think the, the instinct is to get them to legit change how they think and feel about sexual partners, sexual conquest, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, on the darker end of things like victims. And it doesn't sit well with people to, consider finding a way to harness these these uh self-focused traits these you know some of these like really harmful antisocial traits and and making it work for the client it 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 seems like you're giving in to the client and like letting them get away with harmful destructive behaviors and you know a lot of people in our field think that clients like that are untreatable yeah i i kind of uh that that phrase untreatable bugs me big time like i don't know if i believe anybody's untreatable you know what i mean um it's not acceptable that's right as a a, yeah i i I don't think that that's a an okay position to hold for people in our field i mean so i guess you could say maybe on like well not I don't know, treatable to some degree, but I mean, I would say when you're dealing with like, uh, I think maybe if you're talking about like really significant and severe, um, like psych psychotic disorders, you know, that, that are unresponsive to medications and stuff like that, which seem rare, um, maybe on that front, but that's not a, that's not a population that we're referring to anyway. Like these, these clients, this is what, I think bugs me about this is that, uh, yeah, the clients are gamey for sure. Right. And, and they figure things out very quickly. And really, if you think about personality disorders, you and I stumbled onto it, I thought was a really good book back in the day called emotional vampires. And, um, basically it was just talking about how personality disorders are all about driving everybody else around you crazy like the people who have them don't really it's it, it's not a thing to them like it's very egocentric to them they're not really concerned with it but everybody else around them is driven crazy and so it, it, it's so i think therapists tend to get you know i hate to use the word burned out but i think they just get sick of it and they just throw up their hands and say he or she's untreatable and that's that's the end game for them you know what i mean but what I heard in there is is some really good stuff because you mentioned it too. Like they're self-interested. So for like a client who's dealing with those dark triad traits from that video, who who's the most important person for a dark triad client? Who's themselves. The most, right, yeah. themselves. Now, if I just put a simple logical sequence of events together, this is how I look at it, right? All of our clients that have the dark triad traits that we work with have gone through the criminal justice system because if they're not, they're not working with us. Right. And so we do know that dark triad traits are used in, 
uh, military, business, all the rest of it. So we know there's functional ones out there too. Mm-hmm. So if there's a functional aspect of that, okay, well, there's our answer. But with our clients, you know, it, it, um, I think that that self-interest can be leveraged in a, in a really good way because think about it like this. Okay. So in, in a, if, if I choose to commit a crime, right. Um, what are, what are the, what are the options in front of me? I choose to commit a crime and I commit the crime, you know, let's say I rob a bank and I rob a bank. I mean, what are possible things that could happen? You mean like the like fallout from robbing the bank? Right. Well, I guess one thing is you could get away with it and be rich. Right. But also you could get arrested and go to jail or okay. you could go down in a hell of gunfire if the officers thought you were a threat or right. someone could tackle you beat you up before the cops get there. So let's stick with the first three. Okay. Let's say I, I get away with it and I'm rich, right? It's like point break where the, the ex presidents and we rob banks and stuff and we get away with it forever till we get sloppy, right? <laughs> that one time and go for the vault, which we shouldn't have done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love point break. Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> um, okay. So that's option a, and my I would guess that somebody who is dealing with the dark triad traits would assume that's what's going to happen. I'm going to get away with this yeah. because I'm smarter than the yeah. right than everybody who's on this yeah. and and I'm more ruthless and also I can manipulate my way through this. Okay, perfect. But the other two options are very realistic and I don't think they're dumb enough to not factor those in that I could get arrested and go to jail or I could get killed in a hail of gunfire from police officers responding to that, right? But the thought of I'm going to get away with it overrides those thoughts, and that's why they choose to go rob the bank. Okay. Now, I don't know what the incidence of bank robbery success is, but let's just say option B happens and they get arrested and go to prison. Then they come to us. Okay. Now, the one thing I can say is for those clients, you know, does that, does being a criminal and living in a prison, and having to wear prison garb and having to shower with a bunch of dudes and have no freedom or anything, does that scream status? Does that scr- does that show like high status? Quite like, the opposite. Right. So now you can get status pretty quickly when you're in prison too, but it's still pretty low status. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I and, and I mean, I, I think we see some of that when these, when these types of clients do go to prison and that they lean into the types of behaviors that glean status in prison and end up worse for the wear. They, they become really unmanageable inmates at times mm-hmm. or they, again, they're crafty enough to get away with stuff within the prison and succeed. But yeah, right. yeah. Status there. Yeah. Status seeking is the lifeblood of a lot of these guys. And that's, right. that's the motivational energy to use. So on the, on the narcissistic side, um, the higher the status, the more recognition that I get on the psychopathy side, the higher the status, the better position I'm in to take advantage of others and get what I want. Right. Um, and I don't have to worry about others and, and, and answer to them. I get what I want. And then on the Machiavellian side is there's a challenge to that. How can I manipulate my way into a high status position, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what they get out of that. So <clears throat> status is kind of crucial. Now you reach a cap in prison, which is kind of useful because it's like, well, I mean, yeah, you're the king of shit hill, you know, is really what it is. I'm the pod boss. Yeah, who cares? You know, at the end of the day. So there's an easy logical sequence of events, which is 
this is the most important person in the room to them. And the most important person in the room does not want their freedoms revoked. So you can say, well, yeah, just act in your own best interests and voila, you're you're going to behave in a way that is inconsistent with criminal behavior so you can live your life in, in the fashion that you want, right? But it, it, it's not, I think we're like... So that's easy. That's easy to follow that logic, right? But where do you think therapists go wrong when they're working with these clients? I mean like the tr- trying to get them to care about the people they're harming for one thing? Well, yeah, like where where do you so like uh on a normal front um when we ask clients to maybe identify risky thoughts versus less risky thoughts, you know, or replacement thoughts. Um, you might hear certain things out of certain clients, which are pretty consistent with indicating, okay, this person has a value system. They have a conscience, you know, they, they, uh, they have some morals and stuff like that versus a dark triad client. They might think very differently about it and it might evoke some of that. Oh no, 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 I can't reinforce that type of stuff. Right. right? Cause it feels like it's very selfish or like ruthless or careless with other people. And yeah, like for the dark triad person, it, a, a lot of things that I guess put them in a position to exploit or hurt other people or, you know, do well at the expense of others that as as therapists, we 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 don't want to reinforce, or at least we feel that impulse to not want to reinforce. Right. Like, have you ever? I, I mean, I can think of a couple of examples of clients of mine that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's tough to it's tough to think about some of the things that they've said, but then also like say, yeah, okay, that's a good way of thinking because ultimately that's going to turn out good for you. You know what I mean? And also it's not going to result in hurting other people too. Like this is, it's going to be good for you, but it's also not going to result in, in hurting other people too. Like, um, so well, I mean, I had a, I had a guy that he, he actually was in So he, he was in the drug program, but uh, he had a prior charge for, I guess, I guess whatever the, sex offense charges for pimping. Uh-huh. And I asked this guy a lot about, you know, how he got going in this and like what he did to recruit girls to work for him. And, uh, you know, how, just kind of how he navigated the criminal underworld. And, mm-hmm. uh, he, he, he had like, when I think about kind of the Machiavellian scheming, uh, th- this guy, uh, hit that pretty, pretty on the head. You know, he, he would talk about how he viewed people, <clears throat> excuse me, as uh, like, he, he goes like, everybody has a tell, and, and, you know, as far as like it, it being able to get what you want from them. Mm-hmm. And he, he goes, and he says, I, I kind of naturally think that like, is it, is it money that, that gets your attention? Is it, is it status? Is it, you know, whatever it is. And he, he goes like, that's how I, he, he would always say, that's how I move through the world. That was like his phrase. This is how I move through the world. Mm-hmm. And he would, he would say things like, I forget exactly how he put it, but he, he told me like, you know, when I'm interacting with you, 
you know, I, I I've kind of got a sense for your value system and the things that you're into. And he mentioned some of my hobbies and some of the stuff I talk about pretty freely. And he's like, and this is what I can kind of tell about you. You're this yeah. type of guy. And so I know that when I'm talking to you that I need to, if I want you to give me, you know, get, you know, get me, complete me out of this program so I can get on with my life. This is kind of how I need to come at you. Was he right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 He was. Was and that kind of scary? It. It was. It was like humorous because of just how upfront he was that he was manipulating me, <laughs> and he was smiling while he was saying it. I, yeah. Like he knew that he's. Like, he knew like. I'm telling you right now that I'm manipulating you and yeah. you're going to agree with it and you're going to be fine with it. He, yeah. he had like that level of hubris and, and he was, I was like, yeah, dude, he got me. Yeah. And, and you know, he would talk about how he had recruit some girls. He says like different girls had different strategies. Usually it was about making them feel important uh-huh. and making them feel like they were, you know, like, like hot, sexy, attractive, that they could make money that they, it, and he goes, but like every girl was a little different that I talked to and he, and he, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what he said. He, he said that he never wants to use fear or coercion. I weigh. And he said that like that they, that he would, he barely had to even ask them or, or tell them to work for him. He says that by the time he was through talking to them and showing them his lifestyle, and what he could do for them that they came to him and wanted to work for him. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know if that's true. I'd, I'd be curious to talk to the women that, you know, he was, he was hustling, but yeah. like it, he very much viewed people on a transactional basis mm-hmm. and like a, almost like a, like a personality economy. <laughs> yeah. So I'll dude, I, you know what that would brought me up? I was pulling this up on my phone. I, I uh, do you know the, uh, the author Harlan Coben. No. Oh, he he's good. He writes these books. So there was um so he he's famous for this uh he's got a bunch of shit on Netflix, but he wrote uh, a series of books. They were um a guy named Myron Bolitar, that's the name of the character. And then in that there's this guy, uh his name is uh Wynn and and he's like this super rich dude. But dude, listen. So I know what you're talking. Yeah, I, I listen- read a book with Win, and he's is he like kind of like a badass? Win? Oh, dude. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I know what you're talking about. But, yeah. Okay, so they <clears throat> wrote a book called Win. Okay, uh, it was a it was a play off this, but there was a it, this was in this is from uh, Harlan Coben. My uh, this was the Win book. This is yeah. a uh, this is a, a a a clip that I got from it. It's um right here. It is a 30 second clip. So he's talking. He's he's talking about this other guy. He's doing this investigation. It's not really important, but he's just talking about like what motivates people to how you can convince other people. And I listen to this and I re I re I like a you know 10, 15 seconds back, probably like 10 times as I was driving. This is hopefully I can play it loud enough that we can hear it here. Is not being thoughtful or respectful or conciliatory or presenting cogent, indisputable facts to show that said mind is wrong. And for those truly in the naive camp, the secret is not trying to appeal to our better angels or humanity. None of that works. The only way to change someone's opinion is to make them believe that siding with you is in their best interest. Dude. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The only way, the only way to do that is by convincing convincing other people that siding with you is in is in 
their it, best interests. It, that, that is how this guy thought. Well, what I'm describing some, about getting the girls to work for him. That's, to some that's degree, what he was meaning. To some degree, like, okay, on a base level, right, without a whole lot of recognition of compassion and everything, isn't that kind of true, though? Yeah. Like, yeah. So imagine I get into a transactional relationship Sales, where we right? both love each other or something like that, right? Okay, so think about that. Like, you're in a relationship with somebody that you love, right? Now, why do you do nice things for them? Because I love her. Right. But because you love her, but now you, you're, you're doing. I want to keep her in my life. Okay. So who, so you want to keep her in your life. So you're doing nice things. You're attending to that relationship, right? Yeah. And so when you attend to that, now. It's in my best interest for her to be in my life. I want to do things that, that compel her to stay with me. Now that sounds nasty. That sounds nasty. Like you're only doing it for you. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the other side of that is, doesn't she benefit from that? I, I would say so. And she benefits from that. And then she wants to reciprocate, right? And then when she reciprocates, she's doing the same thing because she wants to keep you in her life. She sees the value. And then you yeah. feel that and you're like, oh, okay. And then this is one transaction after another. So it right? is a transaction. Yeah. Same thing with like um, when somebody says like, oh, yeah, okay, my, my – I don't know why somebody has to die in this scenario, but it's like a, a moral dilemma, right? Like – some kids about to get hit by a car and your only option is to run and shove that kid out of the way and get hit by the car yourself and take a hit for that. Right now you can say that's a self selfless activity, but I would argue that it's, it's not necessarily that selfless. And, and here's the reason why, because I mean, if it was somebody important enough, I mean, is there somebody important enough who's young that's in your life that you would do that for? Oh yeah. Okay. Nieces and nephews. Now, if you saw one of your nieces or your nephew who was about to get hit by a car. Now, why would you do that? Like what goes through your head? Boy. Uh, Cause it's, it's not a self-interested activity at base level yeah. until you break it down. Right. It's not very rational when you think about it. So why would you do that though? I don't want the kid to hurt. And I, and, and uh, okay, now let me stop there. Yeah. If the kid did get hurt, could you, how, how would you be hip on dealing with the guilt and shame associated with you simply standing by and allowing them oh, to get hit by no. a car? Okay. This is where the self-interest comes okay. in because you're doing a, a I couldn't live with myself. Right. You do a quick cost benefit analysis yeah. and say, well, no, death is a better option than a watching them have to go through that and be having to live with that thought knowing the rest of my life i was a coward so and acting let, out of yeah. self-interest would be to shove this kid out of the way and let them live and then sure. i don't have to deal with all <laughs> okay. that yeah. okay fair enough i don't i don't think there is a way around self-interest yeah okay? it, it's at least a component to every decision that we make sure I, I think that it's also fair to say it's like a multivariate uh rationale behind why I'd push the kid away. But what one of those variables is self-interest based on what you're saying. I, I think so. And, and this, so now look, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that compassion doesn't exist because I, I think it does exist, but in, in we've talked about this before. Do you remember the episode that we did? It was a evidence-based um, charity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Okay. And, and we dialed into like, what was the, most bang for your buck in mm -hmm. terms of charities, which was what the mosquito net, the thing. mosquito nets, yeah. right? I don't, 
Other than you and I, have you ever met anybody that's donated to mosquito nets? No. Right. Okay. <laughs> most people donate to things like what? Uh, like like cute puppies stuck in the cold <laughs> and and orphans. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. And and really. Like, so this, this is kind of a difference, um, between we've talked about this before too, this difference between emotional empathy and cognitive empathy and emotional empathy is, is dangerous in some ways that one author, uh, talked a lot about that because emotional empathy is what drives us to donate to things that actually probably don't make a, a huge bit of difference. So like some of these gigantic charities, you know, that, you you feel like you're doing good by donating 20 bucks to them and really when you get right down to the nitty gritty it probably costs them more money to process those 20 dollars than they made off your 20 dollars like to record the income pay the person to do the accounting put that into quick but whatever else they do that costs more than 20 dollars <laughs> yeah but it's not about that you're not thinking that way what are you thinking when you donate that 20 dollars i'm making a difference right i feel good yeah, yeah. about this yeah yeah yeah. Okay? I, feel, I feel good because i'm making a difference right That's i right. feel good yeah. about same reason why when like if we see a homeless person nothing against homeless people but if we see a homeless person on the side of the road and we give them five bucks we know what's going to happen with that. It pleases our conscience. Right. We we feel bad and mm. compassion about the other individual there. And sometimes we think about how miserable that would be. And as a result of that, that compels us to do these things. Which would be the emotional empathy. Right. And, and, and I mean, base level, none of those things are really too dangerous, right? I mean, mm. donating cherries, giving homeless people. Um, the time when it can get kind of dangerous and, and one of the things that um, Peter, it's Peter Bloom, isn't it? I don't remember. I think it's Peter Bloom from Yale. And he talked about like he gave the example of uh, Willie Horton and Willie Horton. This was a uh, this was an ad campaign. See the P90X guy. Who's Willie, <laughs> no. who's Willie Horton? Really? <laughs> Dr. Seuss character. Guy. Yeah. Who's Willie Horton? So Willie Horton. There's someone close to that. Who's a P90X guy? Not Willie Horton. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Horton? Is close to that. Oh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. All right, it's who's worth, Willie? It's worth a goog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, so Willie Horton, it was the downfall is the reason why George H.W. Bush won the election against Mike Dukakis back in the day. We were young when this was happening, by the way. Okay. But um, so Dukakis had this furlough program, right? And this furlough program allowed violent offenders time in the community with their families, you know, provided that there was a safety plan and all this other stuff. And so Willie Horton, while he was out on a furlough, went and like killed a family and raped the wife and all this other stuff. Okay. And, and they used that, the, the, the campaign, they used that mm. as like, well, look what this guy endorses. He endorses killers being in the community. And then during the, during the debate, one of the moderators was, was like asking, uh, he, I think he, he asked like a crazy question. Like, uh, you know, would you support, uh, furloughs or, or something like that if if uh your wife was the victim of rape you know like dumb question but think of what that that campaign ad did that that tells us oh my god what if that was my wife or what if that was my family oh yep right and that's evoking emotional empathy when in reality that that uh that program actually reduced recidivism that program actually reduced institutional misconducts and you had a whole lot let every the in prison was safer as a result of those program policies but we had one activity that was leveraged and, and evoked a lot of emotional empathy right 
Now, emotional empathy, that's the worst case scenario, okay? What we would say is that cognitive empathy, where it's simply just perspective taking, non-judgmental perspective taking, um, is one of the best methods you can do with this population. It's not, you gotta, that's the hard part. It's gotta be non-judgmental. You have to take a step out of it because it's easy to judge this population when, when you're thinking about those things. Because like that guy, you're, he's telling you, I mean, he's a convicted sex offender and he's telling you about his skills and manipulating other people and telling them what they want to hear based on, but that's a really good skill to have. Exactly. That's a really excellent skill to have. You don't want to lose that skill. And guess what happens though? Because if you tell him, this is the Machiavellian piece. If you tell a client, you're not allowed to say that. And here's all now you're teaching them, oh, okay, now I do know what to say now. Exactly. Let's let's go let's go forward with that. You have to like embrace that in its own way. And and clinicians don't like to do that. That's kind of what I did with them. And again, it was kind of tongue in cheek because he was just he was telling me to my face that he's manipulating me. But yeah. he um by the time he got onto my caseload, he had he'd already made quite a few substantial changes and he was a smart enough guy. I mean, it, he would be great to have in this podcast because he would be confirming a lot of what you're doing. And it just kind of took him being able to leverage these skills that he has in a way that kept him out of jail. Mm-hmm. And and at by the time he became my client, he'd kind of already figured that out. Yeah. You know, and so he, he was like re- kind of retelling me his criminal thinking, but just kind of in like a first person <coughs> example uh, was letting me know that he's manipulating me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was a little, like, I felt a little defensive, you know, and I I was wanting to like push back on it, but, but, but I didn't cause I knew what his point was. I knew where he was going with it. And, and it was really a matter of like, he, he could have taught the whole class on important relationships versus preferred relationships and how to manage both and how to get his, probation officer on his side and doing well and, and, you know, and how to skyrocket, you know, he ended up working a job in construction, what he had no experience with, but he showed that he has the gift of gab Uh silver tongue dude. And, you know, kind of worked his way up into like kind of a, the type of dude that would get contracts and, uh, you know, to Mm -hmm. talk to people on and, and leverage bids and things. But see, that's the whole thing. Like, um, my take on that is, uh, I know we look at manipulation as being a bad thing, um, but I don't think it is. I mean, based on what that, you know, Wynn was saying in that, he said, well, the best way to persuade people is to convince them that what, you know, what you want them to do is in their best interest. Okay. Now, what if it really is actually in their best interest, though? You know what I mean? For like the antisocial thing? For what do you mean? What, for like the what? person who, so for the dark triad client. Yeah. If they're manipulating another person and it actually is in the other person's best interest. Oh. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the example I always use is when we, like we have a training coming up here not too long and we're going to be talking to, I don't know, like 10 or 15 people, right? And we're going to be manipulating them the whole time because we're trying to change the way they think about conducting group and individual therapy sessions. We're not doing that to cause harm. We're not doing that to lead them down a dangerous path. We're doing that to improve their clinical skills. But it's re- it's requiring us to change the way that they're thinking. Now, 
other people might say that's persuasion or, you know, like uh, other nice words. Just seems like manipulating to me. I'm just manipulating you to think the way I want you to think because it's going to lead to the best possible outcomes for the both of us. No, that it's the connotation behind the word manipulation that I think gets people. Cause when you talk about it in terms of persuasion or influence, uh, it, it softens the rough edges on it. Well, so if you predict, if you, if you preface it with, Hey, manipulation's great. And I want you to use those skills and I want you to harness those skills really well. Here's the caveat that though, that manipulation cannot have an end result in harming either you or the other person. Okay. That, that was a thing I was, okay. You might, might've just answered exactly what I was going to ask you. It's weird. You just said that cause, cause like there has to be some sort of external judgment of what is good or appropriate. Cause when you're saying like, well, what if it is in the client's best interest to manipulate this person? Then I guess we have to ask, well, what are we saying with best interest and like for that there has to be some kind of like external objective moral good and if if that external objective moral good is to not harm another person that then we have a shared definition of what best interest is well so we might not get there though with some of them because some of them may not care about harming other people this is where the psychopathy comes in okay okay so that might not be our leverage point but you can start okay so Again, if you focus on the narcissism and the psychopathy and my freedom for making personal choices is the most important value to me. Is that a value? Say it again. My, my freedom to make my own personal choices. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now that, so essentially freedom, right? Not being incarcerated. Right. Okay. That seems like would be top five for any narcissist, psycho, like psychopathy type person, right? Yeah. Okay. So or anybody for that matter. Right. So so I, I, I think when you're talking about moral goods or bads or putting a value judgment on it, initially, as a therapist, number one, I have to start establishing values, right? That's what we always do. And that's where you run into the problem immediately. I see what you're saying. But their values, you should be all about them. Fine. But I can also say, okay, now in in my short term thoughts about this, I might think harming this person or taking advantage of them for my gain and their, you know, and and their detriment is a net positive. Short term probably. Long term is that always going to be true? Mm. It, it won't. It right. won't it, it won't it that's a that'll be yes cuz maybe I also value um fun and excitement, okay? So let's say like sexually assaulting this person. That might be really fun and exciting in the moment for this person. On a short-term value, that's going to – like a short-term gain, that's going to reinforce that value. On a long-term, if I do a cost-benefit analysis, the likelihood of them revoking my freedom and putting me in prison for X amount of years now takes away any of those options. What about behaviors that wouldn't necessarily run them into legal trouble but could make a life – Like let's keep with sex and talk about like having an affair. Okay, good. Yeah. So if I had an affair, right, they're – they're so that would that would assume they're already in a relationship, right? Yeah. Okay. Now that would be predicated upon what thought that they're having an affair. What thought would have to be going through their head to justify them having an affair? Uh, I don't get enough attention at home. Okay. And yeah. what else? Based on their values. Well, I deserve this. <laughs> and what else? Do they know. think they're going to get caught? Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So so 
Uh, right now. So yeah, you're, so now this is what happens. And I think this is where (laughs) things go wrong is because now this is what's cool about this is this is with all of our clients. Every client we work with has a hard time with these long-term consequential thinking, right? And this is going to play out for them as well. It's just going to be a little bit nasty when they think about it. And also some of their short-term justifications might also seem nasty. Nasty in that like a, a lot of people, a lot of therapists might revile at that. The only thing stopping him is that he might get caught. And Correct. We, we want him to care. Like we collectively want him to care about his wife and, and, so, and his, yes. his marriage vows or so whatever. My replacement thought. So my, my risky thought is all those ones that you just said, I'm not getting enough attention at home as a therapist, as a therapist. Right. No, no, no. This is the client. This is the client. The client says, I, my risky thought is I don't get enough attention at home and I deserve this and I'm never going to get caught anyway. So what does it matter? Those are my risky thoughts. Then the replacement thoughts come out. Now, normal replacement thoughts, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. would be something like, well, yeah, I'm not getting enough attention at home, but maybe that means I need to put more into my marriage to get that attention. And uh, maybe I won't get caught, but that's not really fair to my wife, and she doesn't deserve that because she's a good person. That's what you want to hear from clients. That's what feels good. That, to, makes, yeah. the, that makes the therapist feel good because it seems consistent most often with their morals, right? Right. Now, it, what I'd say is, get morals out of it. Stop talking about good and bad thoughts. It's not good or bad. It's kind of, I've never liked the whole stinking thinking or thinking errors because that implies wrong, right? It's not about right and wrong or good or bad. It's about effective or ineffective in contract, like in comparison to your value system, effective or ineffective for helping you reach your goals. So if the That's client says, great way of looking at it. If the client says instead, they say, they say, well, um, yeah, I do deserve this. Um, but if I get caught, then that girl's going to take half my money and I won't lose half my money. And then she won't let me see my kids either. I don't lose my kids either. Um, and God, that is a lot of hassle. So maybe I uh, just put up with it. Okay. That sounds nasty. Like we don't want that because it's all about him and the bad things are going to happen to him as a result of this, but he doesn't cheat. So, so that's the other thing is, so we say, Harness, harness the personality that, that you have, but also like focus on kind of the actions speak louder than words. Like dude, both outcomes action wise is I'm not going to cheat now. Right. right? So who, who cares how you got there? Like, I don't care why you do what you do. So long as you do the most effective and, and pro social thing, I know you're doing it for the wrong reasons, but, or yeah, quote unquote wrong reasons. Who cares if you're reinforced positively now they're going to keep doing it because they're the most important person in the room. They're going to want to keep doing that because they get what they want out of it. Gets kind of, it, but people have a hard time with that. It, it, I, I am kind of tripping on something you said in it. Like, cause the terms, if you're not a therapist, you might not know what we mean by stinking thinking or, or thinking errors, but that's like a super common mm-hmm. uh, phrases. And yeah, cause I don't know. I'm just repeating what you're saying, dude, but like that is a, a value judgment, a good or a bad type of thinking. And it's way more effective, whether it's dark triad or not to say, does this way of thinking help me reach the things that I value? Is mm-hmm. it, is it effective in helping me live a life 
that allows me to fulfill and uphold my main values. And, and that, that removes the morality from it. Right. And, yeah. it, and it doesn't, it doesn't cast like a negative connotation on the person who's having the thought and ultimately them as a person and their character. Right. Like it's either effective or it's ineffective ways of thinking for helping you reach your goals. And as much as we might want the guy to care about the, his marital vows, if that's just not where he's coming from, you, you have to be willing to step into maybe a, a yuckier way of uh, viewing things. If the outcome is that he acts the way that you want him to in the first place. Well, right. And, and, um, when the stakes are low and people aren't really being actually hurt, we kind of really dig this stuff. And, and, you know, this is why shows like, um, survivor and big brother and stuff like that on TV are so popular is because when you see people who are ultra manipulative and who can get, like and get one over on one another and even even people with like histrionic traits and stuff who just like get through whole seasons just for being promiscuous like we watch it with uh, and we never miss an episode we love it <laughs> but the stakes are so low nobody's really being hurt and somebody at the end of the day gets a million dollars like and they're all on tv and they're also nobody's really being hurt physically or something like that and we dig it we love those personality traits when it's it's moving in a kind of a harmless realm in these realms we don't dig it we know it can hurt and we have a hard time reinforcing it the problem is that is what we need to actually do with these guys and it kind of does leave a nasty taste in our mouth you know and even in the short term like i was thinking about risky thoughts i was i was thinking you know a lot of times they want to like assault officers and stuff you know like he disrespected me so risky thought might be this officer disrespected me when he turns around, I'm going to punch him in the back of the head and, you know, beat his ass or something like that. Right. Okay. A normal, a normal like response to that, uh, that we'd see from a client or, or like that doesn't have these dark triad traits would be something like, uh, well, what if I really hurt him? And you know, what if, what if that was my brother or something like, like that, that's, you kind of want to hear that. And you hear that as a clinician, you're like, Oh, good, good. I this like guy's that. a good chap. If, on the other hand, your client tells you, um, no, um, you know what, I'm, I'm going to hold off because I got three more months and I know where this guy lives and I'm going to wait till I get out and then I'm going to find him on the streets and then I'm going to beat his ass and then I'm going to get away with it and nobody's going to be able to see me. Okay, what happens three months from now is really irrelevant to that moment. Did he... Punch the guard in the back of the head or did he not? Did he punch the officer or did he not? That's the that's the question. Both of those 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 replacement thoughts will result in the same outcome of him not punching the officer in the back of the head. And you as the therapist need to say, okay, like and then talk that through. Don't start passing judgments on it and telling them they can't think that way. Because if you tell them they can't think that way, now you activate the Machiavellianism and then they say, ooh, I need now I need to know I, – I now know what they need to hear in order for me to get what I want out of this While relationship. While still entertaining the same thought but just right. telling you what you want to hear. You know the pushback you're going to get on that. Let's address it. Yeah. They'll say like, well, aren't we reinforcing antisocial thinking? 100% you are. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'd say like, well, what about the officer's safety in three months? Okay. So I've got time though, right? Uh, I, so – we're, we were just talking about the last three seconds. So I have three months. Okay. Now what happened in that case was what he did 
what was the most effective thing for him at that time, which was not punching the officer in the back of the head, right? And entertaining a little get back fantasy. Right. Now, what are the consequences for him as a result of doing that? Of entertaining a get back fantasy? Of not punching the officer in the back of the head. Oh, yeah. No, no consequence. Okay. But he, it's not no consequence, though. It's not. He doesn't, he get, he doesn't get punished he, negatively. He does what is the positive consequence the, that he gets from that? The positive consequence is that, well, well, I was gonna. I was gonna say a negative consequence is he doesn't get the payoff from smashing the dude in the back of the head. Right. That's that's there. Okay. Because positive consequence is, well, potentially uh, a, a a a fist bump from a therapist. And I get to continue programming, <laughs> and and my timeline as far as my release date maintains. Right. So he's re. So the whole, whole idea. This is what happens. I use a strategy. That strategy is effective, and I'm reinforced. Okay, reinforced positively, making me want to do it again. So I got to chill out on that. And yes, I start to say, okay, now let's think about that because I appreciate that you did the right thing in the moment. Um, But let's start thinking about that. Like three months from now, let's say you have that same option or whatever, because tell me what was the value you were living up to that made you not want to do that in the first place, right? Because he's he's thinking I'm going to get away with it in the community, which the likelihood is he's not. He's not going to get away with it, right? I mean, you go to some officer's house, and what are you going to do? You know, you're probably not going to get away with it anyway. But now I've buy, I've bought myself some time. So yes, I'm reinforcing antisocial thinking in the short term, but now I've bought myself some time, and I start to think, okay, let's play that out. Let's see how that, and then let's play that out, right? Let's yeah. play that out. Let's come up with some. But I'm not going to start knocking it because he did the he did what was was an effective option in the moment. Controlled he his actions in right, the moment. Right, right. So you can get all bent out of shape about the thought process behind it. But if you do now, now they're not going to continue doing that, and they're also just going to lie to you in right. an attempt to tell you what you want to hear with the Machiavellianism. Right, right. That, yeah. So instead, I just need to sit back and say, "Hey, he did what was in the best interest for him at the time." I can continue to move in that direction. What's the, it's in his best interest three months from now, not to punch that cop too. Mm-hmm. Like, so he needs to know that, but he's not going to be convinced of that at that moment. That was the best thing for him. And so I, yeah, I think just recognizing that we, we make a point of saying like, yeah, as therapists, our, our work isn't done after that session. We would want to have a follow-up session and have them play the tape to the end. Right. Three month timeline. And right. Yeah, exactly. Cause that, that, that would be the immediate pushback that you'd get from therapists. I can already hear them. Oh, I, I know loud. the problem with it is though, is you can't, it's egocentric. They're not going to look at that as being a problem. You're going to try to convince them that's a problem. And then the narcissism is going to kick in and they're going to say, the that, only reason he's telling me this is because he's jealous of the fact that I could beat that officer's ass and he can't. <laughs> And he resents me for that. (laughs) And also this idiot just gave me a golden, uh, you know, a golden ticket to tell him what he needs to hear next time. And then he'll say, it'll click and he'll say, you know what, Jeff, I never thought about it that way. I probably shouldn't, you know, I, dude, I I can't even, it's like, I feel like I'm having a breakthrough right now. I really shouldn't want to hit him, huh? I, I really shouldn't want to hit him. I should, I wonder how his wife would feel if, if he came home and he had stitches in the back of his Mace, I got to tell you, man, that you have really made a lot of progress. And, and then in my mind, I'm like this sucker. Yeah. <laughs> now it reinforces yeah. the psychopathy. I'm yeah. like, you idiot. Okay. See yeah. what I'm saying? And I'm just dutifully nodding like, yeah, man, you understand. Right. You're, you're, you're really making progress. You're Wait, coming now along. Look, 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 I'm not validating the, the, the value of the thought. I'm not, again, more, I'm taking morals out of it. 
I, I'm saying, well, I'm, I'm glad you used the thought that was effective in helping you meet your goals of getting out of here. That's all I'm saying. Right. I'm not saying it's a good thought. Yeah. I, that's why you get, get say that, that again. So you're what 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 part of that are you validating? Because so, that's the important part. So yeah, the client comes to me and like he says to me, I was gonna punch that dude in the back of the head, and you know what? I don't want to lose my time. So you know what? Like I'm, I'm just gonna catch up with him on the streets. Jeff, I got to tell you, man, I really appreciate that you used an effective way of thinking to be consistent with the values we've talked about before, specifically you sticking with your timeline of getting out of here in three months. How were you able to do that? Awesome. Okay, I'm not, I'm not yep. saying it's good or bad, yep. right? Yep. I'm saying it's an effective way of thinking an for that. An effective way for me to meet my... Right, right, for, for you to meet that goal. Yep. I, I Yes, I understand attacking them three months from now is an ineffective way of thinking, but I got three months to deal with that. Right. So chill for the moment. He did the right thing in the moment. Right. It's not even right. It's the most effective thing for him in the moment, That, oh, which yeah. is that's how you navigate them when they feel effective and they feel reinforced, because that's the whole idea. It, when we were kind of looking at some of this, this was our. Oh, yeah, dude, I, I came up with this uh, title because we're going to basically teach therapists. We it's called tactical techniques for emotional extortionists. That's <laughs> balling, son. But um, yeah, so what what this was, was uh, I'll tell you this here. Um, the challenge for treatment providers is to find ways to address these as responsivity issues, which ultimately they are. We don't change our curriculum. It's all cognitive behavioral therapy. We still target them as being high risk. However, the responsivity, we're responding to their personality traits and, and delivering it in a way that's consistent with them being able to ingest it and make it work for them. The style when working with dark triad clients is viewed as off-putting and distasteful by many clinicians, but is nevertheless the best style for working with this population. Working with high levels of grandiosity and egocentricity requires that clinicians become comfortable with focusing on satisfying the individual's own needs and encourage them to see what's in it for them by changing their behavior. Clinicians must highlight sexual and non-sexual reoffense as low status with the intention of appealing to an individual's desire for status as a potential motivator for change. Because dark triad clients are likely to get bored easily and be impulsive in their decision-making and actions, they will likely struggle to comply with the requirements of clinical interventions, break rules, and push boundaries. Boundaries, In line with the responsivity principle, these, character, these characteristics should be addressed by setting clear short-term goals that appeal to the individual's own self-interest and which are exciting and challenging. You have to That's do great. it that way because yep. if you don't, they're not going to buy in. Yeah, yeah. they won't buy into it. So um, obviously a work in progress, but um, hopefully this gave people a, a at least an on-ramp to, to working with this population. And by the way, if you don't want to do it, don't work with them because you're going to make them worse or you'll just be manipulated the whole way through and release dangerous criminals Dude, to the community. Even just doing this podcast today, like help me like workshop through some things that I, I like, wasn't quite sure how to navigate. Like, like your last example there. This, yeah. yeah that, good stuff. Huh? Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. Cool. Well, good place to stop there. Yeah. Well, good to be back. We'll have to pump one of these out sooner rather Much than later. Than, so, yeah. okay. Well, we'll see you later, folks. And that's a wrap on another episode of the Gorilla Social Work Podcast. Thanks for listening, you savvy socialites. We hope we've provided you with enough ammo to take down the social work giants and start your own clinical revolution. But before you go, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, 
or wherever you get your earfuls of knowledge. And if you're feeling extra generous, share us with a friend or two or 20 to help spread the guerrilla warfare tactics far and wide. We'd like to stay in chat longer, but we're lying. Good night. <laughs>